Welcome to the Cornerstone Christian Center Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jim Tarr. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cccbasalt.com. Well, we've been looking at our faith, particularly from a brand new person's point of view. And I think that we could be just saying, well, then this is just for newbies. No, it's for those of us who've known the Lord a long time. I think we have to revisit constantly about the most important things that we value. So don't look this, at this for, as just for someone else, but if it's a renewal for you in your commitment, then that's fantastic. If it's brand new to you, embrace it with all your heart. We talked about things like our baptism. We talked about things like our communion. Why do we do that? We looked at things about the exchange life, that Christianity is not self-improvement, but it's actually learning to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit so that Christ can live through us. We looked at our Bible and the Word of God. We looked at our prayer life. Amazing things. Today what I'd like to do is talk about our assembly. Why do we get together on the first day of the week on a Sunday morning? It's a very good question, but it's challenging for all of us. I think if we see the power of it, we will, we will increase our commitment to it. So I'm going to start out by reading, not as our main text, but in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Now let me give a little bit of a context for this. If you go with us to Israel in the spring of 2023, you'll visit with us at a place called Caesarea Philippi where they asked, um, Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? In a place that was surrounded by idols, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He made this great confession, but he wanted Peter to understand something. If you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, something radical happens. Something amazing happens. And Jesus looked at Peter. Peter, his name, Petros, means a stone. He says, your name is a stone, Peter. But upon this rock, the confession you just made, I will build my church. And the gates of hell, he says, will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. He says to Peter, he says, Peter, I want you to know something, and I'm going to build something. By that confession, anyone who follows in your pattern of confession, out of those individuals, I will build my church. Now, when, we, when I say the word church, a lot of us begin to think about the building, we think about the structures, we think about the institution. But the word church there, actually, that is not even a biblical term. That's a church that's an English term. And that actually we realize that it's part of the Germanic culture of the language where it's like the Kirche, and it was an, an, a gathering. And it says that it was, uh, we, we have our buildings, we have our steeples, we have our, our form, and we think that that's the church. But that is not what Jesus was saying. What he was saying is that, Peter, what you just said, upon that I'm going to build my ecclesia. That's the word there. Poorly translated as church. The word ecclesia can be broken up into two parts. Ek comes from the Greek word exit, out. Out. Out of what? Klesia is a gathering of the called. Kaleo. Ek kaleo. A calling out. Well, we understand that when we came together today, we entered into a great calling out. You were called out. Called out of what? You were called out of the world. And you were called out of the world system. You were called out of a kingdom of darkness and you were translated, the Bible says, into a kingdom of light. You represent the light of God. You represent the light of God. You represent God's momentum on the earth. You represent the energy of God, and that's a word that people are uncomfortable with because in New Ageism, we talk about energy. Oh, I felt the energy. Well, I want you to know that the Bible actually talks about the energeo of God. There is an energy that is released inside the assembly of the people of God. There is an energy of the Holy Spirit that is happening. And God is saying you are being invited to the momentum and energy of God. Now he calls it the ecclesia. What was an ecclesia? Well, we put it in the context of our English language and we think it means a church. 
But what they understood it to mean was in the Greek culture, and the Bible was written in Greek in the New Testament, and ecclesia was a group of citizens that would come together. They were called out of the city, and they would gather together, and in that place, they would determine and set the course for their city. And they would decide as the ecclesia, this is where our city's going. All right? So it was a momentum and if you would, it was a political movement. Amen. Now, Jesus says, upon this confession, I am calling out individuals who will be in ecclesia, and that ecclesia will not fail. I will build my church, he says, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, I want us to begin to understand what the gates of hell is referring to. We just said the ecclesia were the citizens who were seeking the welfare of their city. But when you talk about the gates, the gates is the place where the leaders would sit in order to determine. That was the place of the sitting. They would sit in the gate of the city. Now, the Bible helps us to understand this. I have called individuals out to be a part of the kingdom of God. But there is also a political system. Both of these are political terms. There is a political system that reflects the energy of hell. It reflects the energy of the enemy of the church. But Jesus said this, when the ecclesia is being built by the hands of God, which is a group of individuals who are seeking that the welfare of God would be demonstrated for the people, that the kingdom of God would come and the will of God would be done on earth as it is in heaven. At the same time, Satan and his minions are sitting in the gates of the city and saying, we are going to, um, to, we are going to oppose the activity of God and of God's people. I want us to understand today that there is a great clash. The, the, here's the whole thing. The fact that the New Testament was given the term ecclesia by Jesus caused them to fall into persecution. They fell into persecution because imagine this. The Greek culture, still influencing the Roman culture, each town would have an ecclesia, but it was the political side of this world. Now they find out that Christians are building an ecclesia. Can you imagine? It's a power struggle. And the determination is this, who is going to win? Well, we're watching even today what's going on in America and what's going on around the world, this whole fight for the unborn. What is that about? The Bible says that in Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. The ecclesia, movement of God, stands for life. But we also realize that now Jesus says, or the word of God has said, that he places before a nation life and blessing or death and cursing. So while the church is standing for life, we begin to understand that the gates of hell want to, in the state of Colorado, Cause a child to be aborted up to the date of his birth. What is that? It is the clash of the light against the dark. When we realize that the, what, what does God reveal in the word of God? That he created them male and female. A simple stand. Something so easy to believe in in America just two years ago. It felt like, but now suddenly we're finding out that the ecclesia is battling the gates of hell about what to, to raise our boys to be men and our Daughters to be women. What is that? It's the great clash of the ecclesia against the gates of hell. We also realize this, this promotion and promulgating and the, the, the division over racism that's being perpetrated once again. We sang in church. What did we sing when we were kids? Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And now it just seems like people want to divide us along those lines. What is it a clash between? The unifying power of Christ who loves us all. Amen. It is the ecclesia coming up against the gates of hell. That's exactly what's happening right now. Because the enemy has come to divide us. So we have to understand that we have been called to rule and reign with Christ. 
And that's the, imagine, that, that's the amazing thing that God has called us to. This assembly, you are the called out people of God. We talk about politics. People say, don't be political. Well, here's the whole thing. What is politics? It is this. It is the art and science of a society deciding how will we live together and what will be the bonds and values by which we are tied together. How will we live together? Politics is nothing more than answering the question, how are we going to live together and what are we going to value? But people tell me today, but no, separation of church and state, you don't have a voice at the table. Well, I'm telling you, if the ecclesia doesn't speak up, the gates of hell is going to win. That's all there is to it. It is time for us to lift up our voice. We have a place. Whether it's received or not, it is part of the called out. It's who we are. It is who God wants us to be. It's about saving lives. It's about helping boys and girls to find their destiny in God. It's exactly what it is. And it's so important for us to stand because upon the confession of the Lordship of Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord. He reigns over all that that confession is the building of the church. If you're brand new to the Lord, you're called out as a soldier in the army of the Lord. You are set apart and you are different. You are different than the world. And it's so important for us to know. And you say to yourself, but do I have a place at the table? Do I have a voice? You might say I got saved late. You might say I've made my mistakes. You might say I've done my time. You might say I've lost my family. There might be many things that happened when you were called out. But God knew all those things and he called you out and he equipped you. And he called you to be a part of this assembly of believers. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Now, this is our text today. And please, if you can, open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, would you grab the one in the seat ahead of you and please follow with me. And, and let's, let's develop the habit of bringing our Bibles to church, man. Mark them up. We had to teach our kids in our Christian school this week. The Bible is the one book you're allowed to write in. Don't write in any other books on the property. And so that was the whole thing. It's a major adjustment for some kids. But Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, listen, if you're in Christ today, you are my brother and you are my sister. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, over the house of God, do you understand that God calls the assembly of believers the house of God? This, right now, what we're doing, this is, has created God's house. He inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible says that he's building his church out of living stones, your body is the temple of God. Look what happened today. A bunch of temples got together and built a great temple to the glory of God. Imagine if you went up to the Taj Mahal and you were standing back and were caught up in the wonder of how beautiful it is and how intricate it is in every detail and how every need was supplied and every aesthetic value was all in place. But you were looking at the wonder of it and you're saying, I can't wait to get inside the Taj Mahal. But when you walk up close to the door, you looked at every stone and you realize that every individual stone was just as intricate, just as beautiful, just as fulfilled in every detail. What happened here today? A bunch of temples got together as living stones and built a great temple to God in praise and worship and receiving the word of the Lord. It's amazing what God is doing in this place. But we have limited it in the American church to being just nothing more than us, coming together out of some sense of religious duty. But it's way more than that. This is the house of God. Jesus was present today and is present right now. 
where two or three gather together and say, how would we have worshipped today if we realized that Jesus, looking out over the praises of the people that were going out here, how much more would our hands been lifted higher, our voices been lifted louder, how much more would we have focused on every word if we realized that we were building a temple for the Savior, the ever-present one? See, there ought to be an environment created by the people in this place that anybody who walks into this room during one of our gatherings just says, surely God is present in that house. That's what needs to happen. He says this, so we have a great high priest over the house of God. Let's approach God then with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold firmly to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promises is faithful. And let's consider how to encourage one another in love and good deeds, not abandoning our own meeting together, as is the habit of some people, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Father, I pray that you would anoint the word of the Lord today, and I pray, Father God, that we would receive it and our lives would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible say is tying the coming together of what happened here today with the Old Testament understanding of what happened when they went to the temple of the Lord. We find out that when they came into the very temple of the Lord, that they realized that there was a priest, and that priest was the only one that was allowed to go into God's presence. Can you imagine if you came here to church today and I told all of you, hey, by the way, thanks for coming, but I'm the only one who has the favor of God and the invitation to go into his presence. Let me ask you something. If that was your experience, would you have any confidence with God ultimately? No, that would be constantly speaking to your disqualification to knowing God. Well, that's what happened to the Jewish people in the Old Covenant. But the Bible just says this. Let's compare what we do here in this gathering to what it was like in the Old Testament. No, it's a whole lot different. The God just says this. Come to that place with confidence. I'm telling you today that when you come into the house of the Lord, the enemy, the gates of hell, comes against the ecclesia, and he tries to tell you why you were not worthy to be in this place. Why you were not worthy to eat the bread and the cup. Why you were not worthy to lift your hands and praise to God. Why you're not worthy to serve the Lord somewhere in this house. Why when you compared yourself, did you tell yourself, I am, I am not at the level at which they're at when we have to realize here that we come, not in the confidence in who we are, but in the confidence of who Jesus Christ is. I want to speak to every new believer here and every believer that's known the Lord for a long time but doesn't have confidence in your relationship with God, that God would say to you, do not put away your confidence, that's the scriptures, because that's your reward. Do you know what? Every time the devil accuses you when you come to church, he's, he has only one goal, to keep you away from your reward. That's all he wants to do. He knows that you have been washed clean in the blood of Jesus Christ. But he knows that there's a treasure that was bought and paid for, not with the blood of animals, but with the blood of the Messiah. The price was paid. And what does he want to do? He wants you to not go into the presence of the Lord and receive all the good things that God has for you. He wants to keep you away from your calling and from your ministry and from your effectiveness on the earth. He says, when you come together, come confidently into the holy place. By the blood of Jesus. How many of you are here today by the blood of Jesus? Let me just say, how many of you know that he is the one who qualified you, right? He qualified you. And it says we come in by a new and a living way. That's the amazing thing about God, is that no matter how many times you read that scripture, you're not going to be saved 30 years and say, oh, going to church is old. No, the Bible just says there's a new and a living way to live for God. I'm telling you, if you're full of the Holy Spirit, I don't care how dead your church is, if you're alive in the Spirit, you're going to get something out of it. That's just the truth, because God is always new and alive in you. You could go through some dead, stagnant, thing filled with just recitations and nobody doing anything. But if you're filled with God, you'll walk out of that place saying, man, I am so blessed. Amen. That was so good. And you'll, you know what? You'll think the pastor said things that he never even said, but the Spirit of God was speaking to you. You'll say, he was so good. He was lousy. 
but you were blessed. That's just the truth. It says, because we come through a veil that was torn, and it's the flesh of Jesus Christ. Do you see how all of this applies together? Every time you eat the bread, when we come together in communion with one another, that what we're doing is saying, we, you know, some of you, I hear you crack your little wafer to symbolize the broken body of Christ. You come through the veil of the body of Jesus Christ. The Jews just would look and just say, man, I wonder what it's like to be a priest and actually go before the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat of God. I wonder what that's like. But you don't have to say that. Because when Jesus died on the cross and his flesh was torn for us, the flesh in the physical veil in the temple in Jerusalem tore from top to bottom. And that was God's declaration to the nation of Israel and to the entire world. There is no veil between anyone and God. You can come boldly into God's throne room of grace and find what you need. Because it says we have a great priest over the house of God. We have a great priest. Jesus, you are welcome here in this gathering. And we declare today that you are a great priest in the house of God. Forgive us for every assembly where we were not conscious of your presence. Thank you, Jesus. It says, therefore, knowing that, let us approach God. What does it mean? Let's draw near to God. King David was aware of it. He says, you know, I will keep the Lord at my right hand. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to live in an awareness that God is right by my side. We all come in here. You know what? Every believer came here holding the hand of Jesus, and they brought him into this place. Every one of us. Every one of us brought Jesus here with us. Do we understand the power of the multiplication of the grace of God in our individual lives where we come together and we mix it together with each other? It's absolutely amazing. It says, therefore, approach God. Draw near to God. And how does he say it? With a sincere, come to him with a sincere heart, a genuine heart. One of the highest compliments I told someone this week is when someone will come to us, our church, and they will say, it felt authentic authenticity, sincerity, no hypocrisy, no comparing ourselves to one another, no one putting on pretense of act as though whether we measure up or not. It just comes sincerely. God, I think, would rather that we come sincerely and without hypocrisy than to have a room full of people raising hands, but they do it just for show. Jesus knows the difference, man. We come into the very presence of the Lord, not, not as perfect, but as sincere. How many of you are glad that God wants sincerity and not perfection, right? Amen. The Lord says, blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart. Pure does not mean perfection. It just means it is the same thing from left to right, from top to bottom. It is pure. Are you pure? Are you the same thing? Or is there little compartments or anything that is being withheld from God where it's not allowed? No, the Lord says, come to him sincerely. Come to him with a sincere heart, with a full assurance of faith. Come here equipped with faith. Believe God. It is time now to be assured in your faith. Are you assured? It's yours. It's yours to take. It's yours to grab. It's yours to say, I come with the full assurance of faith. I can worship the Lord today. I can receive communion today. I can love my brother and sister Christ and not be jealous of them. I come fully assured in who God is and who he made me to be. I come in the assurance that God saved me at the right time. And that all those things that come against me to disqualify me are not true. I come into the house of the Lord, it says, come to him with a clean conscience. In other words, when you come into the house of the Lord and the enemy's coming to accuse you, make sure that in your heart there's not some area where you're living in deliberate sin and rebellion against God. It will affect the way you worship. It will affect the way you commune with one another. So the Lord just says this, come with a clean conscience. Now who can clean your conscience? And what can clean your conscience? Jesus Christ and his shed blood can, can clean your conscience. If you come to the communion table and suddenly your conscience makes you realize I'm not walking in forgiveness with my brother or my sister, what do you do? While you're holding the bread and the cup, you say, Lord God, I forgive them. I'm coming to you with a clean conscience today. Coming to you in the righteousness of Christ. 
The Lord had it gathered together in the New Testament in the book of Acts on the first day of the week. He knew that it was important. God, I want to ask us today, and this is for the, for the well-being of all of you that come here to the church. I, I, you have to realize that the Lord did ordain that there would be a Lord's Day. He actually gave that to us in the scriptures. Now we walk in the spirit of that. Christ is the fulfillment of it. But I'm telling you, we, are, we have developed ourselves into a group of individuals where our children are not understanding the importance of the assembly or the importance of the day where we go and we worship the Lord. You know what? Ask yourself this question. I'm not building this sermon on guilt. But we will tell our kids, Monday through Friday, no, you have to go to school. No, you have to listen. No, you have to grow in your intelligence about the subject. You have to be a part of that school. And yet on Sunday mornings, parents, we can act as though Sunday morning is up for grab. Why then do we ask ourselves why our children do not value the house of the Lord? Because everything else has priorities. We won't let our kids miss a the practice for a sporting event. We won't let them know. If you're going to play on the team, you have to be there. I'm telling you, we have to approach this place of worship with the same zeal and fervency so our kids will get the value of it. It's so important. Hold our confession, he says. Oh, he says, have your conscience washed clean. That happened by the blood of Christ. Let me just say for a moment, if you go after this whole thing of just saying, well, i got to make sure my conscience is clean every time I go to church, it's a good idea, but I'm going to tell you, don't get involved in navel-gazing at yourself for too long because it'll bring you down. The blood of Jesus Christ and your salvation is all that you need to know that your conscience is clean. You do need to come to the Lord when you've sinned in such a way that you're just saying, man, Jesus, I'm not living in a way that you died for Apply the blood once again. But then he says, come with a clean conscience, that's by Christ, and your body's washed clean. What what does that mean? It means that we are people that are marked by our baptism. He says, when you come together, you know what? This is the called out baptized ones. That's what this is. When you were baptized, what you were declaring is, I've been born again by the Spirit of God and been made alive to Christ. I also entered into the waters of the baptism, which is a testimony to this, that even though this body still is inclined to go towards sin or to lust or to greed, and even though this body is heading to the grave and it will not get stronger at the end, it will get weaker, but still we are the group of the baptized who are declaring this, no matter what the condition of this body, we believe that we are heading towards heaven and that God is going to work even through this body, his perfect work and his grace. That's why when I look at you, I don't see you according to the flesh, the Apostle Paul, but I see you according to your salvation. I don't see you according to your bodies. I don't see you according to your weaknesses. I don't see you according to your your, your failures because your body has been been washed clean by the baptism waters and your confession of faith. We got to stop seeing each other as faulty. We got to see each other as baptized. Can you say amen? That's what the Lord would say to us. You come together with your bodies washed with pure water. And then he says, hold your confession without favoring because God is faithful. Here's the whole thing. Why is it so important for us to be a part of the, 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 the gathering of the saints and making it our highest value? is because it keeps us from wavering. I'm telling you, the Sunday that you don't want to go to church, I guarantee you, is the Sunday that you needed to. How many times did you get out of bed and you just said, I feel lousy today. I don't want to go to church. I'm just, you know what? And then you fight. You fight. What are you fighting? You're fighting the gates of hell coming against the ecclesia in you. It's exactly what you're fighting. And then you go to church, and then what do you discover? The enemy, the gates of hell, tried to keep me away from exactly what I wanted, needed to hear. The thing is this, is that why do, why do we need to hear something at church? Because I have blind spots and you all do. Yeah. Right? So I'm really good at preaching myself the exact <laughs> sermon that I need to hear. That's why once in a while I need to hear a sermon from someone else. Because he tells me what I didn't want to hear. And he shows me things I didn't want to see. And it's so important. Because it keeps us from wavering. Because God is faithful. 
Did you see that? Don't waver because he's faithful. Here's the whole thing. You don't go to church because you're faithful. Oh, I'm in a faithful season right now. Let's go to church. But what about when you're not faithful? You go to church because he's faithful. Right? That's what you do. That's how you get unwavering. You decide at the beginning of the week, I belong in the house of the Lord. That's how it works. He says, encourage one another in love and good deeds. Encourage each other in love. You know what? Churches can get involved in a lot of finger pointing, and, but there is a time to speak the truth and love to someone because they're on a road of disobedience to God and love tells you at least warn them. Yeah. Just warn them. But the Bible also says this, encourage one another in love. And the truth of the matter is this, way more than pointing out people's faults, people desperately need encouragement. They need to be encouraged. Six days a week, they get battered up by the gates of hell. And then they go to church and get battered up by the ecclesia. It's not how it's meant to work. Encourage one another in love. Love is the bond that holds us together. We are determined to love. Robinson, the great commentator of the scripture, says, Faith and hope can happen in solitary, but love can only happen in community. The thoughts about that, you can get locked up in solitary confinement and still grow in faith. And you can grow in hope that God will get you out. But the only way that you can grow in love is to have someone to give you love to. And it's so important that we come to the body of Christ and we say to ourselves, oh, but I can meet God on top of the mountain. Yes, you can. But you can only grow in love when you've decided that you'll embrace the scripture that says iron sharpens iron. So people will rub you the wrong way. Your pastor will rub you the wrong way. But the truth is this, is that that's the process by which we are cleansed. So we realize here, by the way, did you ever hear the story about the person who went up to the pastor and they said to him, Pastor, why are you always rubbing the cat the wrong way? And he said, well, if the cat would just change his direction, turn around, I'd be rubbing him the right way. So the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. We are called of the Lord to assemble, he says, particularly as the day approaches. The Lord is saying that in the last days, it will become hard and it will become particularly challenging to assemble together. And so we realize, I believe that the first lockdown wasn't about the gates of hell coming against the world. It was the gates of hell coming against the ecclesia, who for 2,000 years has gathered together in order to worship the Lord. On that first Sunday, I could only imagine how silent it sounded in heaven when the ecclesia was not praising the Lord. The Bible says in the last days, it will get harder to gather together. But we have to realize that this is the call to be the light of the world. And so we got to be particularly careful right now. So why do we come together? Can I answer that for you quickly? We gather together to give something to God. That's the first and foremost reason that we came. People can say, I didn't get anything out of the sermon today. I didn't get anything out of the worship. But the primary reason we came was not to receive. The primary reason we came was to give. To give glory to God. To worship Him in a world that doesn't worship Him. We're here to lift up our voice so that heaven hears that the remnant of the Lord is still singing praises to God. We come together to give to the Lord. Here's what I love in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. It says this, We speak to one another. We Wait a minute. We speak to one another, it says, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with our hearts to the Lord. Well, who are we singing to? It says we sing to one another together, giving songs and hymns and spiritual songs to the Lord. What the Lord is saying 
there is that ultimately the reason we come is that together we might sing praises to God. But while we do that, we reinforce each other and we speak to one another. Did you know that when you worship the Lord in the assembly of the believers, you are speaking to everyone who's around you? What are you speaking? You're speaking this. This is what faith looks like. This is what hope looks like. This is what love for God looks like. This is how a believer stands in the face of adversity. When we're singing praises to the Lord, we come really to give to God. But if you'll notice there, nothing does it say about receiving something to yourself. Your manner of worship speaks to the assembly, and then together it gives praise and glory to God. I'm telling you, you can be a message of confidence and faith and love for God just by the way you worship. Someone's going through a hard time, and they come in with their head hanging down, and they're really discouraged, and they forgot why they came on a Sunday morning. And then they happen to look up for just a moment, and there you are, just being crazy for Jesus. And then they look at you and they just thought, oh, yeah, that's why I'm here. And as they look at you, they just realize, see, you just, you just spoke to them faith. You uplifted their heart. You undergirded them. And so then you're, the message of who you are in Christ was conveyed to them. And now suddenly Jesus has two people just going crazy for God. Right? We sing to one another. But we first and foremost, we don't come with a consumer. This is not McDonald's. How quick you can get it. How quick you can get out of there. And then, you know, it's, it's all about, well, it wasn't that good, but it'll get me through the day. <laughs> McDonald's doesn't get you through the day. It'll get me through the next 45 minutes. <laughs> the whole thing is this, is that when we come together, let's come to minister to the Lord. And by doing that, we minister to one another. Amen. Always giving thanks. Do you know what's a good thing to do when you come on Sunday morning? Tell God everything you're thankful for. Yes. Just tell him. Thank you, God, for all the good things that you have done. When you're singing your worship songs, are you saying, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you that someone like me is singing words like that. Thank you, God. Come with thankfulness. And then it says, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Be submitted to each other. What would happen if we all came for each other and we didn't come for ourselves? Yes, though, you can receive from the Lord. I'm not saying that you don't come from yourself. You can come with the expectation to hear from God, to receive from the Lord, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to receive the joy of the Lord, to leave this place just awareness in the awareness of the presence of God and that God still has his people that are out there. Yes, you come first and foremost to give to the Lord, but also just you come to worship him with, a, with open hands, just saying, Jesus has something for me today. He has something for me. The Bible says when we come together, we should realize that God gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You, I hope, today will be equipped, equipped with faith and confidence and, and love for the Lord and a renewed zeal. Because you know why? The Bible says my job is to equip you to do the ministry. Did you all know that you've been called into the ministry? Amen. You have all been called to serve the Lord. Man, I'm going to tell you something. If ministry is contained to the pulpits, the church will not advance. But if the church equips the saints to do the work of the ministry, the ministry is going to be happening in Whole Foods and Elgebel and Aspen and Carbondale and Glenwood Springs and... The ministry will go everywhere. You came here to be equipped. You came here to not pay a man to live the Christian life for you. 
He wants you to be built up to maintain the unity of the faith so that we all come to the knowledge of the Son of God to be a mature man. God has maturity for each of one of us. And what does maturity look like? It says you will measure up to the stature, which is the fullness of Christ, that you might be like Jesus. It happens in the house of God. Oh, but it happens in my devotional life. Yes, but it doesn't happen in the same way that it does. There is a unique, unique way when we gather together. You know, if you, if you separate from the body, you set yourself up before you know it. If the ecclesia stops into the gathering where the, where, where the presence and the fire of God is, and then the gates of hell, you decide, oh, I'm not going to be a part of the ecclesia, and you start living in the gates of hell before you know it. The fire of the ecclesia is going to be lukewarm because of the gates of hell. Don't separate from the assembly. As I've said before, it's the banana that leaves the bunch that always gets peeled. If you are the one who leaves the church, you, you will be at the risk of the enemy. He'll have his way Because here's what happens. As a result of leaving the assembly, he said, you will be tossed here and there by waves. The Lord says, be unwavering. The assembly is important so you don't get tossed about and carried away by every wind of doctrine, the trickery of people, deceitful scheming. He says, but speak the truth in love. We are all to grow in all aspects into him who is the head, that is Christ. And then he says, look at this beautiful picture. The whole body is fitted together, and it's held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You know, the thing is this, is that God says, we're a body. I need you. I need you desperately in order for this ministry to fulfill what God wants it to. Some people say, I don't go to church anymore. I don't, I don't go to church because I, I, I can't grow there. I grow better on my own. But you know, That'd be like some bride, we're the bride of Christ, right? Saying, I can't be around the other Christians. They drive me crazy. They don't run at the right pace. They're this and they're that. And I'm just going to grow. And imagine if some, big, uh, some beautiful bride comes walking down the aisle and she's dragging behind her some huge toe, right? And she's just dragging that down the aisle because that toe went off on its own. And it decided, I can grow so much faster if I just wasn't connected to the body of Christ. I have nothing to give me. I'm going to tell you what, that individual becomes a deformity. It's not a glory. Listen, you and I, the love of Christ tells us, I will grow with the body. I will grow with them. And if they slow me down... I'm, gonna, I'm not going to move faster then because I'm not just responsible for myself. I'm responsible for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. 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 And I want to I serve. The body says that, that it says there that each individual part has to grow um, accordingly. Each one of us is important. Do you know if, there's, if, there's, if this is a living stone, all it takes is one stone missing in a wall for the enemy to be able to get in. If we're going to fulfill our purpose and destiny as a school and as a church called together, then each one of us needs to be a part. Because the Bible says this, that we don't look at each other and say, the hand doesn't say to the foot, oh, I'm not a foot, I wish I was a foot. The ear doesn't say to the eye, oh, I wish I could, I could see like the eye, I'm not going to be used. I'm telling you, the Lord is calling you to be sincere and genuine and exactly who you are. And if you present yourself to Christ, and you decide you want to live for him, you will have a place in God's purpose and plan. So what do we do? We come together, we bring a word, come with encouragement. You know, even on a Saturday evening, I rarely go anywhere unless I feel like the Lord says, no, you need to do this. But I begin to just prepare myself with the word. I want to wear the word when I get here. And the truth is this, is that if, if each one of us came to the house of the Lord with a word, You've been in the Word during the week. You know, I know preachers can watch Saturday Night Live till what time of the morning and then get up and preach. God help me if I ever did that to you. I'll, I'd be talking about coneheads and land sharks. The thing is this, is that you can tell I haven't watched Saturday Night Live, can't you? Coneheads and land sharks. 
But if a scripture verse jumped out of your heart this week, what if each one of us on Saturday evening and said, Lord, how can I release this word in the house of the Lord? That's body ministry. We come, don't we, to love and to bless each other, to just go to somebody and bless them. Just say, I want to speak blessing over your life. The, the, the gates of hell are constantly cursing people. You speak blessing. And finally, I just want to say this. We gather together to work together. The thing about what we have to realize about the kingdom of God is it's a lot of work. It's just plain work. Jesus said, work for the night is coming. You've got to work to overcome the gates of hell. It takes a lot of work. One of the things I discovered going into the ministry, it's 97% work and 3% what I dreamed it would be. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Most of you would testify that to you in, in your own life. It's a lot of work. What we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks is understanding, like in the book of Romans chapter 12, that God has released spiritual gifts that you can bring to the house of the Lord. He can help you to operate in prophecy. You can hear the voice of God. He can help you to walk in words of wisdom and words of knowledge. He can, he can work through some of the people. They'll, through their prayers, miracles will happen by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we, we come to, to do the work of the Lord. What I'm going to be talking about is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to talk with all of you, uh, with our new believers, maybe you've never heard this before, but I had a radical encounter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was 13 years old, where the Holy Spirit came upon me and equipped me. And out of that experience with the Holy Spirit, because John the Baptist said, the one who follows me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We'll look at Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell on the church in Pentecost. We'll look at the church of Ephesus. They believed in Jesus and they were baptized in water, but they hadn't heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just a few of us were in a little room and the Holy Spirit fell upon us with fire. And from that moment on, we were on the streets as kids and testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's gifts, there's equippings, there's power that God has for you. I know I, that encounter with the Holy Spirit, I went to a Bible college and they rejected it. They wouldn't let me, I was the only graduate they wouldn't let come back and preach. It's because I told them about the experience I had with the Holy Spirit when he baptized me. And, and they wouldn't let me come back to speak while after they had already acknowledged that I, as a student, I was set apart from all the others. And the thing is, what we went through this last year, I'm going to tell you what, walked through it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I prayed, I prayed in the Spirit all the time. I'll explain what that is. I prayed in the Holy Spirit all the time. And the Apostle Paul said, I, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. I prayed in the Spirit, and that was the source of, re, of strengthening, unwavering, and resolve before the Lord. And we're going to talk about those things. And some people say, well, stay away from that. Just talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit's controversial. So we'll just remove one-third of the Godhead. You know, how? And I can no more deny what the Holy Spirit did than, than I would expect you to deny what Jesus did for you. So I want to talk about that and, and the power of the Spirit-filled life. God has the Holy Spirit to equip you for the work of the ministry. Can you say amen? Let's all stand up this morning. Father, I thank you, oh God, that you are alive and well upon the earth. I thank you for that, oh God. I thank you for everybody that you brought to this church. I thank you for the ecclesia. Help us to be faithful to the call. I pray, Lord Jesus, that if there's anyone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, that right now the Holy Spirit would come and let them know that they don't know the Father. If anyone here is under the weight of their past, their guilt and sin, like I was, like every believer was, I pray, Lord, that today would be their day where they would be set free from the power of sin and they would come into the kingdom of God, into light. I just welcome you now, Holy Spirit. Breathe upon every heart and reveal Jesus.
If you're here today, I want you to ask yourself the very simple question. Do I know without a doubt that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior? Ask yourself this question. If if I were to die today, am I ready to come face to face with God? He is a righteous and a holy God. But he doesn't come to condemn you. He's come to save you. He's come to wash away your sins, all your shame, your past, any sense of guilt. He wants to wash you so clean that God himself can live inside of you. You won't be perfect, but you will be pure, and you will have received the righteousness of Christ. I'm not asking you have you embraced the religion. I'm not asking you if you've embraced Christianity. I'm not asking you now if you're a member of a church or of this church. I'm not asking you to join our church. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized or raised a Christian, I'm asking you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you don't have that assurance in your heart, now's the time of salvation. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. I'm going to ask you to respond in two ways. First, I'm going to ask you, if you're saying, Jim, I want to be included in a closing prayer, giving my heart to Jesus. I want you just to lift up your hand and just saying, today, I need to meet the Lord. Just lift it up before the Lord. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to or fro across the earth. He's always looking. And if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come forward. And I'm going to ask you to come here to the front, in front of the congregation. Listen, it's not, you won't have to say anything. You won't have to do anything. Just the Lord says this, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. I'll confess you before the angels in heaven. Do you need Jesus today? Would you just lift up your hand just saying, Pastor Jim, I'm not sure. I want to be saved today. Today, I want to walk out of this place knowing I'm right with God. I'll allow the Holy Spirit. He can give a tug on your heart just letting you know you need this. You need this. Sometimes you want to grab the chair ahead of you. You don't want to let go. You feel like you're falling, but it's because you're surrendering. You're surrendering your life to God. If you're here, would you lift up your hand just saying, today, Pastor Jim, I want to be saved. God, you're so good and you're so faithful. Bless these people, Lord, as they leave this place. Let the presence of the Lord go with them. Let them be a bright light in the dark world. Let them be, Lord God, the salt of the earth. I pray, Lord God, I pray for each one of them. God, I just today, I just want to pray this. Give each one of them a soul to bring to Jesus Christ. Give each one of them someone to bring to Christ. I thank you, Lord God. You are faithful. Bless the people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have elders here in the front if you need prayer for something. Might have something to do with sermon, but it might not. Whatever your need is, don't leave here today. Come on up here. Let your brothers and sisters pray for you. That's how the church works. To believe with God, with you, for your miracle. God bless you all. Thank you for coming today. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This weekly podcast can be heard on our cccbasalt.com website, the CCC Basalt app, or your favorite podcast platform. If you'd like to support our efforts financially, you have the opportunity to give at cccbasalt.com forward slash give.